Don't worry. I had some lobster while I was away, and I did some fishing and uh, even did some catching as well and uh, had a great time. But, you know, it, as great as it is to get away, it's just as good to come back because I actually missed you guys. I did. Last Sunday I was, was there in the cabin by a lake, and uh, I was missing you. I, I was thinking of you, and thank you, Joe, for preaching. And uh, you even had mentioned last week about being content. Yes, I did listen to the message, and it was, was really good. And you said the, the time that you can be the most content is when you're in the middle of God's will. And so uh, it was reassuring to me to come back and to, be, to know that I am in God's will and, and being here. As much as I, I love those cute little grandkids and back east, um, this is where we are to be. And so content to be here uh, with you and with you this morning. So, Joe, you kind of you took some of my thunder. You talked about fishing and all that. And, you know, that's, it's hard for me. But we're actually starting a new series this morning. And so if you're a guest, you're right there with us. We're, we're going to jump in and we're going to be talking about one of those fishermen, and probably one of my favorite. Does anyone know one of my favorite fishermen in the Bible is? Peter. Peter. Hey. Oh, Brandon's, you got me. Brandon is usually one step ahead of me all the time, so it's, it's not, yeah, it's not surprising. But Peter, yes, Peter is one of mine. And you say, wait a minute, didn't we do Peter? And yeah, we did. We did Peter earlier this year, right? But we did first Peter. And typically, uh, when you're preaching, you do First Peter, you do Second Peter, right together. But we decided not to, or as I feel, God decided that, that we not that we took a break, and we we did Ruth for a while, we did some topical, and now we're coming back to Second Peter. And you know what? As I was studying and been preparing for this, Second Peter is a little different than First Peter. Same author, but the message is a little bit different. Because again, if you remember back when we did First Peter, we talked a lot about persecution, right? They had hard times coming, and Peter was encouraging them and preparing them for what lies ahead. Well, this second letter is a little bit later on, and yes, it has that encouragement, but it has a little bit different emphasis on it, because there are some other things that are going on at the time. Besides the persecution, there's a threat from outside and a threat inside the church, and so Peter is writing now to encourage them, but also to warn them. And not so much about the persecution, but what's being taught out there. And so there's some false teachers in this, at this time, and they're pulling people away from the church. They're drawing them away with bad teaching, bad theology. Yes, I can use that word theology. It's not a bad word. It's actually a really good word. It's the study of God's word. And as you know, we put an emphasis on God's Word, right? That's our plumb line. That's what keeps us moored to God. It's, it's our, our filter that we should be running everything through. What does God's Word say? And so Peter does that. He points us back to that, and he says, be careful what's out there, right? You need to filter. You need to protect. And as a good shepherd, and again, Peter now is really getting close to the end of his life. Matter of fact, this is the last letter that we know that Peter writes, and it's thought, many scholars believe that right after this, he becomes crucified. Uh, church history tells us that he was crucified upside down uh, in Rome, where he spent his last days. So Peter wants to impart this last bit of knowledge, something that's going to carry them on to help these new believers in this church. And so that's a little bit of the background 
As you know, as we'll go through this in the next couple of weeks, I'll try to give you a little bit more each week, but that at least gets you started. And again, it kind of springboards off of 1 Peter. And certainly if you're studying and as some extra work, you know, there's only three short chapters in 2 Peter, but go back and read 1 Peter. And you can see the similarity. And again, they build off each other, obviously, because he's speaking to the same crowd. So let's jump in, all right? Take this journey here this morning in chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Man, there's a lot just in that opening, right? He's, he's drawing them in. And again, he uses Simon Peter. Uh, in that day, it was not uncommon to use both names, depending on whether you were the, in the Greek crowd or the Jewish crowd, you would use the different names. And so we have both here, Simon Peter. And again, that's not that uncommon for us today, right? We have different names and titles, right? You know, my, my, my little grandson calls me Appa. He's made up his own word, and he calls me Appa. He can't say Grandpa, and so he says Appa. And we just go with it. Um, PJ and I had started out with our oldest granddaughter, Willow, with Bachi and Nini. And again, they adjust the names accordingly. Right? But we have different names, right? You know, Rachel, my daughter, calls me something different. PJ calls me something different. You may call me something different. But we answer to the same name. Right? Depending on the setting. Well, Peter's no different, right? Depending on who he's speaking with and who he, where he's at, he uses both names. And so here he puts both of them together. And again, we also know from 1 Peter, and as we look back, this church has both Jews and Gentiles in them. And so he resonates with both. And again, for Peter, this is a big lesson for him. If you remember, Peter's back in early on had a struggle with that, right? He had a real tough time with Gentiles, Acts 15, if you remember the, the scene, right? And Paul had to set him straight. Some of you are looking like, Hmm, I haven't read that in a while. Well, there's some more homework or some more reading. But anyways, he's speaking to this church, and so he's reminding them here as well that they are chosen by God, right? It's, and it's through God, and it's all through Jesus Christ that they've received their faith. Right? He's talking about their salvation. He's reminding them, you're a child of God. You are special. You've been called out. You've been separated and as that, there's responsibility with that. And he says how precious that is. You know, this morning we're going to take communion, and again, we're going to look back to that time when Jesus was on the cross and why he did what he did as part of our salvation. And it's good for us to be reminded of that periodically, because sometimes we forget. We talk about depression and discouragement, right? We can easily get that way even as believers, you know, we live in a world that's not a Christian world, and so it's easy to get caught up in that. In fact, I was just reading something recently. It was an encouragement for pastors, and they said, hey, stop watching the news all the time. It was one of the, the pieces of advice to encourage pastors, as many of them are leaving the ministry, was stop watching the news. Not that you should be uninformed, but it will depress you if, you watch, if that's all you watch. And you forget about your calling, you forget about who you are in Christ. And so Peter is reminding them of that. And again, their day was no picnic either. Nero is in charge, he's persecuting Christians, uh, they've been separated, they've been scattered. Uh, it's a tough time to be a believer then, and I would say just as much as it is to be a believer today. So in verse 2, 
Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Jesus our Lord. Again, as studying this, you're going to hear a lot about knowledge, right? That knowledge um, is not just head smarts, but that knowledge as in a relationship, knowing more about studying a little bit, going a little bit deeper, right? As a believer, as we grow in our faith, if we spend more and more time in that relationship, we get to know more and more about our Heavenly Father. It works in our personal relationships, right? The, the only way to do that is to spend time with people, right? When we're separated, we, we lose that connection. But the more time we spend, the more time we, we see people, and we see people go through different seasons and through different struggles and through different parts of life. PJ and I just celebrated 33 years of marriage. We've seen a lot of each other. And again, we know each other really, really well yet we still find things that are new about each other as well. And so that's the same relationship or that, that same thing that we should have that same desire for our Lord Jesus Christ, spending that time with him. And again, he wishes them grace and peace, a typical opening of a letter, especially a, a Jewish opening, that peace, that shalom, shalom, right? That's that entire peace, maybe chaos around you, but peace within Right? That peace that, that comes from only having that heart. Or as Joe mentioned, that contentment. Right? That, that, that brings peace as well. And then Peter does something that's a little unusual, or it's almost Paul-like. He hits you in the head with a two-by-four. Right? Verse 3 is the, really the main part of the message. He's, he's going to lay it out for you right at the beginning. He's going to give it all to you. And you know, this is the, the fire hose here to the passage, actually for the whole letter. And so he opens up with this. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power. Again, Peter's talking to believers. Realize as a believer that you have power within you. Some of you are like, Charlie, I'm not sure. No. As a believer, you have power from God within you. Right? It's given to you as a believer. It's above and beyond. It's not what the world has. It's from God himself. And he says, you're going to need that. You're going to need that for a godly life. Again, I'm going to refer back to 1 Peter, but remember we, we, when we were doing 1 Peter chapter 1, we talked about that hard statement, right, that Peter makes about, hey, to be holy as God is holy, right? We did a whole message on that, right? What does it mean to be holy? Remember the, the bar, right? The bar is way up here. The world and others will always want to bring the bar down. Right? Well, I can't make that, so let me bring the bar down. Or I'll start measuring myself by someone else, right? Well, I'm at least better than that person, right? That's the wrong bar. The bar is up here. And I think that's what Peter is pointing to. He's reminding them of that, right? The bar is to be godly, right? To be like Christ. That's how we would say it today, to be more and more like Christ. But how do we do that, right? And we talked a little bit about spending time, right? And here's that word again, right? Through our knowledge of Him, all right? That comes from studying. That comes from spending time. That knowledge 
of, hey, that relationship. Not only what he's done, but what he's doing, what he's continually doing in our lives. That digging deeper. Again, he's the one that's called us, right? Focuses on him. Verse 4. He says, through these, he has given us this very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You're, you're, I mentioned earlier, right, that you've been called out of that. You, you are separate, right? You're, you're, you're not part of the world any longer. You, as a believer, you are different. And therefore, there's some, again, some expectations that we're going to act differently. We're going to handle situations differently. We're going to walk and talk and be different. But not on our own, but with God's help. Again, that pulling out, that separating. Verse 5, another two by four, I like to say. Another, another whap as I was reading through this. It gives you that, that next thrust of the message. For this very reason... Right? For this reason, as you as a believer, this reason that you've been given this power, the reason you've been called, the reason you've been set out, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. We're going to walk through these real slow because there's a lot here. There's seven of them in a row. So if I was doing a perfect message, I'd have a hard time here because there's really seven main points here. Three doesn't work, right? This is two messages plus one. If we were working and that wouldn't work, right? But it says, for this very reason, make some effort. Is that what it says? Every? Fran says every effort. Fran's, Fran's, you're reading good. That's what it says, right? Every effort, right? How about half effort? Would that work? Three-quarter? No. Every effort. And, and the picture here and as, as you look, is the, to be striving for, right? And it goes back to that bar that we were talking about. To, the bar is up here, and I need to be making every effort to get to that place. Not as part of my salvation, but now as a believer, right? Peter makes that very clear. It's, I'm not trying to earn this. I'm not trying to, to gain something. But I'm trying to have that relationship grow. Right? I want to know more about God than I need to, to be working towards that. To know him deeper, to know him in a better way. So it says make every effort to add to your faith. And I like that word add, right? It's not, you, know, you get a little faith and okay, now I need to add to it. One of the things that I, I've come encounter with with believers is we tend to get complacent. Right? We, we tend to feel like we've gotten to a good spot in life, and so we just kind of sit there, and we kind of settle. Right? We don't strive. And again, our walk goes up and down, and yes, I understand that, and there's highs and lows, but the problem is sometimes we get in that flat and we just stay there. Right? We're saved, we're all set there, we're, yes, we're bound for heaven, but then there's no growth. You know why? Because we're not making any effort. Right? Back to your illustration, Joe, right? We're not throwing the line out. We're not that, that one more cast. Well, it's the same thing with our own personal walk. We need to be adding to that. We need to, to put that into practice. We need to continually grow in that. And goodness, right? 
First one up here is goodness. What is goodness? Not a rhetorical question. What is goodness? Give me some, what is goodness? If you had to define goodness, someone that doesn't know, what is goodness? Holy? Holy? Yeah, certainly that's, that's encompassed in that, but give me something a little more practical. What would be good? Helping others. Ah, someone's got a good key. That's, that's a broad, but that's uh, certainly a, a good starting point, right? Being nice. Being nice. I might go under the kindness, but certainly that, that's good as well, right? Huh? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of all of this, right? And certainly when, with others, forgiveness, loving, that's in there too. Yeah, it's hard to define, right? Goodness is hard because it's so broad. broad. Doing what's right. Good job, Cam. Huh? According to God. Right. Yeah, not in my, my sight, right? Not a, a checklist, right? Good is, good is a relative term in that regards, but you're right, according to God. But goodness can be meeting other people's needs, can be helping, can be serving, um, certainly doing good things for others. Who doesn't like to have someone do something good for you? You don't like, John, you don't like having someone do good for you? Uh, I'll keep that in mind. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, you know, you can always count on one. But doing good, doing goodness, and again, as God leads. And it's amazing how many times sometimes, right, if you're really in tune with the Spirit, He'll show you something. You'll see something that you didn't see or someone that has a need, and they're like, how did you know that? I get that every once in a while. How did you even know that I, I needed that done? Well, I didn't, really. Holy Spirit knew that, and he was willing to use me. So part of that goodness is just being in tune with the Holy Spirit and that relationship of knowing what other people need. And again, motivation matters. We've talked about that as well. All right, so there's goodness. There's, there's one of them. And Peter does this thing where he's, he's ramping up, right? He's reminding us, so it's going to go from goodness to goodness to knowledge and to knowledge self-control. Right? That knowledge again, that studying God's word. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of teaser here. Why Peter focuses on knowledge so much and knowing God's word is because that other threat is these false teachers. And again, knowing God's word will help you identify when somebody's teaching something that's false. You know, the old illustration, right? They used to, bank tellers, they used to have to train them how to identify a phony $50 bill. Right? Well, they didn't bring in every phony $50 bill that came through the marks because there would be hundreds of them and little different things. But what they studied was the real thing, the original, right? And if you know the original, then you can spot a phony right, right away. Well, it should be the same way with God's Word, right? The same illustration works very well. If you know God's Word really well, when you hear something that's not from God's Word, you should be like a radar should be going off like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. That doesn't sound quite right. You ever have that happen? Right? You hear something, whether it's not picking on the radio, but on the radio or a message or something, you're like, wait a minute, that, that's, something's not quite right there. Let me go study that out some more. Right? Or I haven't heard that before. I, I need to go look back at that. Quite often, it's not something obvious. It's just a, a slight truth, and it's got some other stuff mixed into it. And that's where we can get into trouble. And so Peter really harps on this knowledge, knowing God and knowing him at his core, knowing his word. 
And Peter's also hearkening back to the things that he's taught them. Right? Peter says, hey, I've taught you many things here. You already know the truth. Don't get led away by that. Don't go astray from that. This next one always hits a little bit harder to home, right? All right, these, these goodness, knowledge, okay, those are easy to some degree, but self-control, right? Controlling oneself, if you want to reverse it a little bit, right? Having the ability to do something, but keeping from doing that, right? I know in this room, I know this will surprise you, but we all have the ability to sin, right? We, we get to choose that. It's probably one of the curses of having free choice, right? We can choose to do wrong. Right? We, we usually have that moment. We have that, that why in the road, if you want to call it, which way am I going to go with this? I have the ability to do either, but self-control may say, all right, let's make the right choice. What does God want me to do in this situation? All right? That self-control. Again, that can come in any form. That's a moment-by-moment a moment choice, really. But self-control makes that, 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 that decision much more important when we put it in light of what Christ, as, our, as a believer, making those decisions matter. And again, these are our building. These are, these are all things to be working together. It's like a big bowl of soup here, and we're throwing more things in here all the time, but they're all important, not one without the other. Just as important as the goodness and the knowledge and being godly, also self-control. This next one's a, another one as a reminder. And again, Peter's heart as a pastor comes out here. Perseverance. Perseverance, right? Persevere. Don't give up. Allergy season's alive and well, huh? Yeah. Perseverance. Right? Persevering. And it was actually part of the, the theme in chapter 1, and, I mean in First Peter, the first letter, right? About persevering in your faith. It's the same thing. Persevere. You may not see that you're growing. You may not see that things are working out for you. You may say, hey, Pastor Charlie, I, I've made all these right decisions, yet it doesn't seem to be going well for me. And Peter would say, persevere. Keep doing it. You know, the results are not always evident of the growth. I often say, it's hard for me to see what's going on inside of people. I, I don't have that ability. There's no, no special dispensation for pastors to be able to look into people and, and know where you are. But you need to persevere. There's a few things on the outside you can see, but the heart, I can't see. But Peter would say, persevere. Keep doing the right things. Keep doing the good things. Keep growing in your knowledge. Keep self-control in place in your life. Persevere. And again, it's not a ramp up. It's, these are all part of the, the soup, as I've said. The next one is godly, but like Christ. And again, as we know Christ and we know more about him, we, we know that he did not sin, right? He handled every situation correctly. Oh, man, I fall short on that one. I'm still working on that one, right? You probably can sit back here this week and think back to this week, and there's at least one, if not more, situations where, man, you know what? I could have handled that better. 
I wasn't very Christ-like in that. That guy cut me off and I used my horn. PJ knows we were stuck in a traffic jam for a while. We heard a lot of horns back east. I don't think we made it out of Boston Airport before we heard a few. Along with some colorful language, yeah. Right? But godliness, right? Being more and more like Christ. It's not easy. That's a, that's, a, that's a struggle. And again, it's a moment-by-moment thing, and we need that. And again, yet Peter would say, persevere through that. As I mentioned, the bar is here, but don't lower the bar. And see, that's, Peter's already setting up the, there were teachers in that day that were already teaching that, right? Well, you know, there's, there's grace, right? You don't have to be like Christ. You, it's okay. He'll accept you the way he is. Sadly, that teaching is still out there. It's still around today, right? They want to lower the, the bar, lower the standard. You're okay the way you are. Well, no. The scripture would point otherwise, right? We need to keep growing. We need to keep adding these things. We need to be making every effort to grow up, to be more and more like Christ. Switches here a little bit. Again, my translation says mutual affection and mutual affection and then love. Right? Like some of the older translations, it talked about brotherly love, right? The, the love that we have here in the body between brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? That, that growing together, that unity in spirit, that Philadelphia love, right? The, 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 the commonality that we have between brothers and sisters. Right? But mutual affection works as well, right? That, how we treat each other. Michelle, you mentioned forgiveness, right? That's certainly part of that. And in the body of Christ, that's, that's, that's paramount to, to keep the church body together in forgiveness. Again, there's lots of messages we could do on forgiveness. And then last but not least, love, right? That love that, that binds and unifies all this together, right? It helps us in all these areas, Right? Self-control and godliness, that, that's all part of it. That love is that, that glue, that part that pulls it all together. If I'm loving someone, I'm probably not going to be causing them harm or I'm not going to be doing wrong to them. I'm going to be kind to them. I'm going to be good to them. Right? So love pulls that together. Then he puts the bow on it here and he says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting how he pulls this all together. And in many ways, he says, you have to possess these, but you have to continually grow them, right? It's an increasing measure. Like I said, the, the, the plight of many believers is we get to a point and we just stop. We stop growing. We just sit there. No, we need to continually increase, continue to strive. And if we don't, there's a cause and effect here. The effect is we're being ineffective and unproductive, right? How many of you have jobs where if you're ineffective and unproductive, how long do you hold on to your job? Not long, right? Usually at some point, the boss says, you know what? I can find somebody else. You're fired. Been there, done that. Unproductive in that, right? 
But as believers, we don't want to be ineffective or unproductive either. And again, not only does that affect the body of Christ and those around us, but it also affects even here, it says, even in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Because again, Jesus was certainly not ineffective and certainly not unproductive. We would say just the opposite. And so that's the bar for us as well, right? To be productive and effective believers in Jesus Christ. And going back to that, in order to do that, we need to make some effort, right? We need to make every effort to go towards that. Part of the result here, verse 9 says, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Right? Nearsighted and blind. I've got glasses on because, again, I'm getting to that point where I, you know, getting nearsighted all the time. And if I didn't have contacts, I wouldn't even be able to see Jeff there in the back row. I'd be, be straining, Right? But again, stumbling around, not seeing, that's all part of that unproductive and ineffective, right? Just bumbling along as a believer. Peter says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I've told you what you need to do, and if you don't, here's going to be the result. I love that. I love the examples when they do that for us, because it kind of motivates us, or it should motivate us to, to, to do, put these things into practice, right? To make some effort toward these things. Again, not forgetting what Christ did on the cross for us. So we wrap up here with these last couple of verses. We're only going to do 11 verses this morning. So therefore, right? Therefore means because of all this that I've taught you, therefore because of what I've said and what you need to do, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And, don't forget the and here, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. There's also there's a consequence if you don't do them, but there's also a huge blessing if you do. Right. There's motivation in this, Right? If you don't, you're going to stumble, you're going to be blinded, you're not going to see, you're going to be ineffective. But if you do, you're going to receive a rich welcome. Right? Well done, good and faithful servant. So we as believers should long to hear, right? That good and faithful servant. Not only that we're saved, but what did I do after my salvation? How did I live my life with that in mind? Right? The goal is not just heaven, but how we live between now and then. Kids are coming back. Cool. That must mean it's time to end this message for this morning. I love the cue. That's good. Good timing. No, it is good. Well, we obviously want them to join in us with communion. We love to do that as a family. And so my encouragement this morning and the title of this message, which I didn't tell you before, is make every effort. One of the jobs as pastor, and I want to do that this morning, is to spur you on to love and good deeds. And so make every effort. 
at the very minimum, you've got seven things to, to strive for, to work on this week, if you want to use that, that term as a believer. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Make every effort. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, it can seem a daunting task. But as we're reminded this morning, though, we're not having to do that all on our own. That you've given us a divine power within. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the helps of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I thank you for each person here this morning, Lord. And Lord, as we get ready to remember what you did on the cross for us, Lord. Let us not forget the price that was paid for our salvation. And Lord, may it spur us on toward love and good deeds. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here this morning and our time together. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if a couple of our elders will come forward this morning. As I mentioned, we're taking partaking in communion this morning and as we have guests here today you are welcome as believers to take part in that it's an open communion table in that regards um, we take it seriously here at point way and again we want to prepare ourselves uh, as we take communion but it's open to everyone that's here as believers in christ and so scripture instructs us on what to do scripture says so whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what we like to do here at Pointway is just right where you're sitting, just close your eyes, take a few moments just between you and God uh, to make sure that you do recognize what we're doing and the importance of it. ask Joe if he'll give thanks for the bread and for the cup and what they represent. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this time together, uh, this chance to remember and celebrate what you did for us on the cross. Blood washing away our sins and then rising again from the dead so we have an eternal hope of life with you. We ask that you bless the elements, bless everyone who takes them, Thank you for all
take the bread together. Scripture goes on to say, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. goes on, in the same way after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new for whenever you eat, do this. And whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we close in our closing song. And as we also like to do is as a reminder, um, using Joe's illustration, one more cast, there's still cups and left over. And that should remind us that there are still people out there that don't know Christ and what he did on the cross for them. And so this week, I would encourage you to make one more cast, right? Share that good news that you've received so that maybe next time they'll be here with us and they can partake as well.